0: Notably, the Dominion executives have, are nowhere to be found now. They are moving their offices overnight to different places. Their office in Toronto was shared That's with one true. of the Soros entities. Smartmatic has been one associated the, with the uh, Venezuelan government, led by Hugo Chavez, which is openly hostile to the United States. States.
1: There are ties of the Dominion leadership
0: to the Clinton Foundation and to other known politicians not. in this country.
1: That's an Italian expression for stupid. Unless you're stupid, you knew that a lot of people were coming over from Camden. One of vote. the
0: Smartmatic a. Uh, patent holders, Eric Coomer, I believe his name is, is on the web uh, as being recorded in a conversation with Antifa members uh, saying that the button had the election rigged. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake Podcast. I'm J.D. Sexton, always so here with Dick Houseman. Uh We've got... A pretty great show for you today. Uh, we have a special guest, uh, Wajahad Ali, who is one of the best thinkers out there, one of the best writers out there. Uh, recent op-ed from Wajahat. Uh, I reached out to Trump supporters, they said. I tried in the New York Times. It's one of the best op-eds in a long time. Uh, so I had a good conversation, so hang out for that. Before we begin on tonight's show, and by the way, we got to talk about Sydney Powell and the absolute madness happening over in Trump land and what it means for the Republican Party and the right. Before we do, a couple things of uh, house cleaning. First and foremost, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We, we're here for Thanksgiving week. Uh, we will not have an episode on Friday, but for our Patreon subscribers over at patreon.com slash muckrakepodcast, Wednesday night at 7:30 p.m. Eastern we will be having a live hangout to celebrate the holidays say hello to some people so all you have to do is go over to patreon.com/ muckrake in the meantime Nick how about that run by Sidney Powell just 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 an all-time run in politics in a couple of days uh, she alleges that uh, Hugo Chavez who uh, dead for a while by the way uh, tried to steal the election. Uh, George Soros, God knows what other shadows in, in the corners have been trying to steal the American election. She, she went on Newsmax, which is where it's, it's real news for real people, Nick, where she claimed <laughs> that Brian Kemp, one of the furthest right politicians in America, was bribed by Democratic and foreign forces to steal the election for Joe Biden. Uh, Donald Trump basically Mariah carried her and said, I don't know her. And moved away as slowly as possible. How crazy do you have to be for Donald Trump to be like this person is crazy?
1: <laughs> I believe that she lasted a half a Scaramucci, perhaps. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was batshit crazy. Now I usually like to say clown show, but I really love in Bozo show. That's being a reference now to go back to my youth. Do you remember Bozo the clown?
0: Who are you talking to, my man? I used to eat my donuts and drink my milk and watch Bozo and dream about getting on the Grand Prize Game. I would have kicked ass on the Grand Prize Game. I
1: was on the Bozo Show, believe it or not.
0: Time, time the f out.
1: All political discussion yeah. now ends. What nineteen seventy-eight, I believe it was, or seventy-nine, I believe. I mean, unless I made up the whole memory, I should try and figure it out. But I'll ask my my dad. But uh, yeah. I, remember, I have the memory of doing that and, uh, and going on the show, and they filmed it in Chicago. Wait,
0: what you, would what'd you do on the Bozo show?
1: I, I think I was tossing the beanbags into the buckets. Stop it. Yeah. I mean, I mean listen, that's my memory of it. <laughs> it. This was like first grade or second grade, but I was there. So, uh, yeah.
0: Wait, you might be making this whole thing
1: up. I mean, it's not, it's it's like the, I mean, listen, is, is Elizabeth Warren, you know, does she have any Native American blood in her and whatever? Like, is it the same kind of story in my family? I don't know. But as far as I'm this? concerned, it, it happened.
0: Mark it down, this is a Hall of Fame Muckrake podcast moment. Nick thinking that maybe he was on the Bozo show and maybe played in the grand prize game, but isn't sure if he actually did. This is an all-time great. This is up there with like the time that you revealed that you snuck into a Kamala Harris fundraiser.
1: Yeah, I, hey, there was no, well, I guess there was a little sneaking in, uh, for the picture part at least, yes. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm t- I'm, I, am, I am, you know, listen, what is time? What is memory, as we've learned? But, uh, yeah, anyhow, the Bozo Show is what we have here. And uh, it's been frightening because, you know, my dad's a lawyer. So I've been, like, trying to say, like, what are they trying to say in these briefs and in these complaints? Because it's, it's really and, – and he's a professor of law. So he comes in there saying, like, this is just the most ridiculous thing I've seen, as is most every other lawyer on the planet has been weighing in on this. And um, I, I'm not even sure. Do I could. you want to try and explain to people listening, like, what the, the arguments have been? Because it's not easy.
0: Okay. So, do, well, I'll start with the conspiracy theory and then I'll try and move into the legal argument. And as I do this, Nick, I'm hoping that I can keep somewhat of a grasp on my mind. Because it, it's it's almost like in those old HP Lovecraft stories where somebody like catches a glimpse of one of the old gods and then their sanity's just gone. Like that's what this is. Like yeah. trying to follow the argument here is 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 a lot. So, First and foremost, this whole thing starts, and I don't know, I spend way too much time keeping track of just batshit right-wing narratives and fever dream cesspool swamps. This whole thing begins with a little thing called Dominion. And, I, and, and Dominion, by the way, is, is a voting machine software. And, 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 and I, I have to tell you, Dominion is a really ominous sounding name anything you know what I mean like if you hear Dominion (laughs) I get it I totally understand it but so Dominion is this voting software and while the right is just trying to figure out some sort of explanation for what has happened in this entire situation uh, one of the guys uh, I believe his name is Jim Watkins who is the son of the guy who owns Acoon and basically is one of the guys who posts as uh, QAnon so by the way this whole thing goes back to QAnon. I know that's shocking, but it goes back to QAnon. He gets on, uh, I want to say it was Newsmax. It might have been OANN. They're almost indistinguishable at this point. He gets on and he has read the manual and in the manual it tells you how to switch votes. And all of a sudden he's like, well, if they were going to steal the election, this is how they would steal the election. There's absolutely nothing behind it whatsoever. And the way that this stuff has always worked and we followed this, you know, um, and by the way, while I'm on it, we, we just had our 100th show. We didn't even realize it. It was our, our listener, Jessa, who pointed it out. We had no celebration whatsoever.
1: Wednesday night, all. baby.
0: I, we had no clue. We can celebrate when we do our Patreon call. Uh, good, good job, us, on 100 shows. But over time, we've talked about this. These stories and narratives, particularly in the Trump era, begin in the fever dream conspiracy swamps. And that's where they start, like, sort of forming their body, right? Like something out of Hellraiser. They start putting together their components and becoming, like, a a, a moving person. Like a blob. Like the blob. And so eventually what ends up happening is that the Trump legal team runs with this. And they start trying to track down where Dominion is and there are servers here and servers there. They start concocting these fake stories about military raids on foreign bases, which aren't true at all. And so what ends up happening and what has happened in all of these states is that they've gone into all of these states and they've they filed lawsuits, which are basically like your crazy uncle and my crazy uncle copy and pasted bullshit off of Facebook put it in a manila envelope, and shoved it across a desk to a judge. And one judge after another is like, what in the hell is this? What are we talking about here? There's nothing to it. And meanwhile, Sidney Powell didn't just present it to the American public. It's now become her entire career. She has just decided, I'm in on this. This is who I am now. And she now has a career as being further right than Trump and probably Giuliani and any of these people, she now has established herself as sort of like the bumper on the bowling alley of the American right.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, let me remember, she also represented Michael Flynn and, and was yep. on her way to being where she got to now uh, with voice trembling in the last um, uh, uh, uh Press conference they allowed her to have Like I was wondering if she was on the verge of tears Because she realized that she won't ever get hired by anybody again I mean I don't think I don't know who would Based on the credibility de- de- destruction she just did to herself But even in- inside the courtroom though was really interesting Because they, the judge ruled they don't have standing uh, Because the plaintiffs they brought in They brought a couple voters who were saying I wasn't allowed to vote or whatever they were saying about that But they weren't suing the county where they voted they were trying to sue in Philadelphia. And so there was simply no standing for them to bring the, this, this case to begin with. And that's the thing where they, they can't possibly appeal that. Um, and so it's, it's just really fascinating that you know, what they're trying to simply do – oh, then the big, the, the big argument was, well, a couple people over here didn't get a chance to fix their vote when other counties allowed people to fix their vote. So the remedy has to be, Jared – we, we now need to nullify 7 million votes in total. <laughs> Done. And, and that was, you know, so, and by the way, I don't think you're going to find a lawyer uh, who's practiced for any amount of time that will tell you they've ever heard of a judge dismiss a case with prejudice which is basically like, get the fuck out of my courtroom. I will never want to see you again. And that never happens. It happened here. So all these things swirling around leads to Sidney uh, Powell uh, getting the ghost treatment. But it also gets worse because she really got over her skis when she started talking about uh, the senators in Georgia.
0: Well, I, I have to tell you, um, Nick, I, I we, 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 we have not been uh, – Kind to the governor of my state, Governor Brian Kemp. Uh, he stole the election of 2016, which isn't conjecture. He legitimately stole the election for the governorship in in, in Georgia, like just straight up stole it. Uh, but I'm not going to go on national TV and claim that Brian Kemp was bribed, which is what Sidney Powell did. And and by the way, like in in true Trumpist fashion. I mean, Brian Kemp, the day after he was accused by bribery, by a lawyer employed by the president of the United States, he sent out just frantic emails that were like, I stand next to President Trump and election security, and that's what I care about. You know, and and I was talking about this last night on the live stream, It's like, he got kicked in the ribs and he was like, I love this boot. I love this boot so much. I never want this boot to ever leave. And Sidney Powell insulted him. She insulted the senators in Georgia. And, and here's the thing. She did all this on Newsmax, right? Mm-hmm. She actually went further right than Donald Trump and everybody else in Trump's orbit, which right now is almost impossible. And and and, and I, I we bring this up because this isn't to talk about Um, you know tabloidism or extreme or it's to talk about extremism what she did is she talked about things that should have been talked about later right she fast forwarded in the movie she went ahead (laughs) and jumped from step two to step three Thirteen, And this is all stuff that Trump will eventually get to. I mean, if, if Georgia doesn't go ahead and give him the election, he will go ahead and claim that Kemp is crooked and all these people. She jumped ahead in the plot. And the reason she jumped ahead in the plot is the thing that I keep talking about, which is Newsmax and OANN and Breitbart. They're like Fox News, but multiplied. They don't care. They're willing, I mean, they, they have entire segments about Q drops. You know what I mean? Because right. that's what the people want. And so Sydney Powell has now established herself. I mean, she might have a show on Newsmax tonight. You know, I mean, the Pal Report or whatever in the hell they're going to call it. You know, on tonight. That's where we're going. And it, and, and, and I want to point out, that's how accelerated these things are. Is they're not just going to say the deep state and the Clinton crime family. It's an orthodoxy. It's like a religion. There's going to be a group that says, if you split from us whatsoever, I don't care if you are one of the most far-right governors or some of the most far-right senators in the country, we will tell the world that you have been bribed and that you are corrupt to the point where maybe some violence should be visited upon you. That's what we're looking at.
1: Sure. And we have some breaking news in the last few minutes. Uh, It looks like, yes, Michigan will, um, will certify their results. Uh, despite all of this Hand-handed stuff and, uh, and by the way Like if I were A local legislator in, in, in Michigan And I got invited To the White House I probably would go Like that's probably What they That was going through Their mind I imagine it was free and Pop pro- those
0: corks baby Yeah Pop, got, pop the champagne At Trump Town. Yeah
1: Tower. In the Trump and in, in the Trump Hotel They hang out In the Trump Hotel Get a free room or whatever I mean, Someone's paying for it Not them So um, you know So I thought it was funny I mean I don't even know If I saw the guy When he got off the plane uh, The Secretary of State Of Michigan Or whatever Whoever it was Started to sing a hymn, uh, rather than answer questions from a reporter uh, in the in the airport. Um, but it, it clearly looked that way, where it was simply like, yeah, well, hey, why not? Let's go uh, road trip. You know, have a good time, and then we'll just, you, you know, that the uh, president pulled his mafia bullshit. Where you know, it'd be a real shame if uh, you know some money wasn't going to flow into your uh, to, to the uh, to Michigan for uh, some infrastructure, you know, or, or whatever he's playing, knowing that he's going to lose. So at the very least, uh, that got settled, and I think it's all going to settle at some point, um, which leaves everybody, I guess the point being that it would have left Sidney Powell with where she is now anyway. So, so while she skipped ahead in the in the movie, she probably knew how the movie ended anyway, right? So we might as well just kind of get there, I suppose. Although getting in the bad graces of Trump is not a good idea because she doesn't get that Powell, Powell report or whatever thing on Newsmax if Trump's going to talk shit about her.
0: Well, and, and by the way, I love that we're talking about the economics of this bullshit because it's so awful. And this is really what American politics boils down to now. A couple things from what you just said. Number one, the sitting president of the United States, who was just destroyed in a recent election and will not concede defeat, had legislatures come into the White House so he could try and cajole them and blackmail them into undermining d- democracy. He was able to do that. That's a problem. You know, he showed that that was something that somebody can at least try to do. It apparently didn't work. Knock on wood, right? That it didn't work. But he got away with trying it. That's shitty. That's terrible that he was able to do that. And I I was talking about this. I want to say it was on Friday. The fact that we all had to sit at home and be like, God, I can't believe the president of the United States right now is trying to talk people into undermining democracy. I guess I have to wait and find out if it works. Well, meanwhile, everyone and their kids should be screaming about this. Like, this is not just destroying norms. This is overstepping laws and boundaries in just an absolutely unfathomable way. Second of all, you're exactly right. Right now, the Newsmax or OANN are trying to court Donald Trump he wants one of these networks either to merge with them or to make them a propaganda organ let's say he chooses ONN over Newsmax all of a sudden sydney Powell has her spot on newsmax okay you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's because what's happening is a reorganization of the economic and political spectrum what we're talking about right now is economy we're not talking about Politics. We're not talking about getting in a place together and trying to make lives better. We're not talking about passing legislation to, you know, uh, curb crises or, or make lives any better than they are right now. What we're talking about is the moving of money, which is the big, giant problem in our politics right now. It's not at all about actual politics. It's about money. It's about somehow or another trying to figure out where the moneyed interests go and how power moves, which shows you, again, that the power of representative government is all but gone. Government's been perverted, bought off. Now we're simply talking about the transfer of resources. That's a massive problem. That's really disgusting. And and that's really the essence of the problem that we have.
1: Well, I mean, ignoring the whole part about people's faith in elections, which sure. <laughs> used to be a big important thing. And you, you can also look at this a few different ways. I'm convinced that Trump is, they're stretching this out obviously to raise more money, right? Some yep. Somebody was saying on Twitter that they're part of all these different uh, email chains from the Trump thing. And there's been like just an ungodly amount of hundreds of, of, of fundraising emails out of this since this whole thing began a week and a half ago or two weeks ago. So I think he's going to try and keep as much of this money as possible. I think Trump considers it his money. Now remember, he needs to he needs money because he's gonna have to pay four hundred and fifty million dollars worth of, you know, debt he owes personally from these banks that's coming up in a couple of years, which probably could be covered by a book. And rallies where he can charge money and then actually keep the money instead of wherever the money might be going, you know, before that. So he might, scarily enough, he might be able to cover a lot of his costs by just rallying until 2024. And all the destruction he did uh, with the faith of the election and how, the, how it was processed uh, gives him this great narrative to try and sweep back into what was stolen from him in 2020 and 2020. Uh, that's a little bit scary because you have to look at the number of voters he improved upon. He had 62 in 2016. He's going to have, I think, what, 72, 73, 74 more. He's going to have way more than 10 million more voters. Can he continue to improve that one and get closer to 80 you know that that would be a really scary thing if a guy could be coming in here with that kind of voter base into a general election. Um, all I can say is two things: a. Biden better be better do an awesome job in f- for four years, and b. Um, they better put him away. They better fucking well, arrest him and and put him away, make him a felon.
0: I have to tell you right now. So number one, Donald Trump, uh, his entire life has been a white privileged man. And, you know, he's faced like debtors his entire life. And the debtors have decided that he's worth more money if you allow him to pretend to be rich than he is if you take him to court and take a bunch of money from him. So chances are he'll have whatever leverage he'll have in trying to buy or merge with one of these networks that will make his debtors believe they should let him go ahead and do what he's doing. He'll never pay back the money that he owes. That's just not who he is. The second part of this is... Joe Biden has been dealt a shit of a hand, man. Like, I, go, coming into the presidency, and, and, you know, just to draw the parallels, this is about as bad of a hand as when Obama first came in. After George W. Bush had ruined America's reputation and tanked the economy. and And, and again... We are in a situation where we are on the precipice of a major, major, major economic catastrophe. I mean, the the stink on the White House is not literal, not just literal from, like, all the Big Macs in there. But it's also a, a literal stink on the White House. Like, he has to repair a bunch of bridges. He has to try and put things into order. I have to imagine the first two years of his presidency will be taking... All of the shredded documents and trying to tape them together to figure out where the corruption lies and what the truth is and what's been lied about this entire time. It's going to be a massive, massive, massive task. So he's been dealt a shit hand, which goes back to what I keep saying, which is, I don't know that Donald Trump is going to run again. But I have to tell you that in 2022, the Republicans are going to have a really big advantage going into midterms, particularly as Biden tries to pick up the pieces that Donald Trump left behind him. In 2024, you're probably going to see someone who is either the equivalent of Donald Trump in terms of their politics or their appeal or somebody who is more capable and competent who will push fascism further. The job is not done. The battle is just beginning. And, and what we're looking at right now is is a major realignment possibly happening in the very near future.
1: I'm really glad you brought that up because as I was reflecting on this this weekend, I realized that, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, the pardons and what that means to a presidency. But, you know, if you really, really think about it in the, in the macro sense, the president has basically been put above the law now, if you look at it, because a, if he has either one of the other chambers in his party, if it's the House, they simply won't impeach him. Because remember, impeachment was supposed to be the thing that kept the, the president, you know, behaving uh, as well as as, as also as you know the election itself. So, but you know, if he has the the House of Representatives behind him, they're not going to begin the impeachment process. And if he has the Senate, they're not going to vote to convict. So. Any president going in there now knows they could break the law with impunity, knowing that they can simply get a pardon after they lose the next election, whichever it was, and then be exonerated for everything. So the only question you have now is: I think we need to do something about this pardon. I almost feel like, well, and by the way, he can pardon anybody he wants. Like that's big—the big thing. It's when you try and pardon yourself, and I would argue that that probably needs to be eliminated. You you need to be able to say you yeah. can't you cannot pardon the sitting president from that from like past crimes or if you if you want to do that it requires a trial. I think that might be a, even a better um, uh, alternative. Is okay, fine. Do it almost like an impeachment trial where if you want to get him off as you give him a pardon, he needs to be able to defend himself and evidence could be presented. Uh, that, that's the only way I can think of to keep these presidents from thinking that they are and acting as if they are completely above the law, which they are basically as it is now.
0: Well, first of all, uh, the founders failed. I know, I know a couple of people just ran off the road hearing that, but the founders failed to have any imagination about the future of politics. They did not plan on parties. They thought that all of the wealthiest, slave-holding white men in the country would just, they would just all be sensible. And that they would never, ever form political parties. My God, we're all Federalists, right? No, Nobody would ever form another party. And then it was IMMEDIATE. It was like, we are Democrat-Republicans, we are Federalists, and it was immediate. This was set up because they thought the main rivalry would be between the different branches of government, which we've now seen that doesn't matter. It's party over everything else. That's the failing of, uh, of our founders. But the other thing that goes with this is there is a terrible, terrible momentum at the heart of the presidency. And it goes back particularly, and by the way, cheap plug uh we're taping this on monday november twenty third episode two of the vice series that I'm on while the rest of us die. Shadow government on vice it's airing tonight, so if y'all if y'all are looking for something on the holiday weekend. After World War II, the American presidency starts to expand and starts to become so much more powerful. I mean, they have a button that they can destroy the rest of the world at any given moment. Like, they have to prosecute one war after another. Meanwhile, they kind of have to overthrow governments left and right. So if they get prosecuted, that's a real problem. You know what I mean? Like, we we have to fight communism. Well, then, of course, post-communism, and we don't even need to talk about uh, Iran-Contra, which, by the way, have you watched the new Reagan documentary on Showtime? I have not. It's excellent. Just uh, another tip, the Reagans on Showtime. We'll check it out. It's really, really good. You know, we have things like a Iran-Contra, which how could he ever be held responsible for that? He's doing it for the red, white, and blue, Nick. Like, we can't, we can't take presidents and hold them accountable, not to mention Dick Nixon and all that stuff. In the modern era, of course, we have George W. Bush with the unitary theory that the idea that the president can do whatever they want and they should be able to. Well, that didn't stop with Bush. That went to Obama. And then it went to Trump. And unfortunately, it will go to Biden because the the executive branch does not hand over power. It's like when you get in that club, you're part of that club. So you're not going to hand back power. You're not going to step away until eventually the Congress somehow or another manages to wrestle some of it away. It's a big, giant issue. And and it's one of the, I'm sorry, it's one of the most dangerous things we've got going.
1: Uh, I agree. And, you know, we've been hearing how Biden has no interest in prosecuting Trump. Although, remember, it's not his decision. Right. And and in normal times, it would never he would be nowhere near this decision as far as what the Department of Justice is supposed to do, because they're supposed to be completely independent, which would be nice if they reestablish that again. uh, And then it would be up to whoever he nominates, But of course. Whoever he nominates, I'm sure will be, that will be one of the conditions, which really, really sucks, which is why what's going on in New York is really, really important because it would make him a felon. And then he would not Be able to run again And I think honestly that, That's the biggest fear We all should be having Right now Now that Michigan Is certifying Pennsylvania is now done This, this election is now they this. Oh by the way The madness Of their Of the court cases Were that We want to lose Why? Well so we can get it To the Supreme Court I mean it's It's madness Because they're not They're not losing They're getting These these, these uh, suits dismissed With prejudice Like that You're never going to Get to the, the Supreme Court This way Which
0: by the way By the way to put it in your vernacular in sports terms we're in garbage time
1: yeah right now. that's a great this way to is, say it.
0: The, the score is run up there's no coming back they're padding stats right now is what's happening oh they're if- just trying like they're trying like hell do you ever watch um back in the day the the rock and jog basketball games on mtv
1: uh i'm aware of them but probably not really
0: how you're a basketball expert? MTD was, you know was not you?
1: my thing, really. Believe it or not,
0: they used to have like a 25 point basket
1: that oh, really? they would
0: like bring from the rafters. It was like really, really high up, and it feels like the only way at this point in this garbage time is if they find the 25 point basket you know that 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 like feature somehow or another if they get to the supreme court this is a different ball game but this is garbage time they have no ability whatsoever they have no legal standing this is i mean that's the reason this is a coup it's not legitimate at all
1: well to to expand that it's also it's garbage time that you know the team that's losing by 25 points with four minutes to go puts the football player in and he's just pummeling people left and right and the referees just want to get the hell out of there so they're not even want to call any fouls yep that i mean and then and then what happens you get fights you know and you get like it gets violent and that's even more appropriate uh, description for what he's doing um, and it's, it is, it's worrisome because, again, this is the future, what's going to happen, and you, and you described it perfectly, of somebody else who doesn't tweet like he does and doesn't speak like him and isn't orange uh, will come in there and be able to do worse without anybody really even knowing, without any kind of transparency. Uh, that's what's so worrying about this whole thing, that like that's what that we need to somehow show up. And we certainly don't have uh, an advocate in Joe Biden to to clean this up. He certainly has not been running on, we're going to make the, the presidency transparent parent we're going to maybe limit some of the power so this can't happen anymore i haven't heard any of that kind of stuff from him and i don't think we ever will who wants to give up that power but it would be it would be really reassuring to me i mean at the very least the people he's nominating you know, are, are, uh, have, have are appropriately um, experienced for these roles compared to what we had, whether you want to criticize them or not. At least we have some adults, you know, who, who deserve to have these or no, deserve isn't the right term, but who merit uh, the positions they're getting nominated for.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, with with Trump. It's one of those things where it's, like, the, the frog in the boiling water. Like, you look back on it, and while it was crazy at the time, you look back on it, and it's even crazier. It's, like, all of a sudden Trump, like, nominates some some guy who complimented his tie at, like, a restaurant. Like, all of a sudden that guy gets nominated for defense secretary. And then, you know, the all of a sudden he's the undersecretary is a guy who wants, like... Send them an email that said, hey, you were great on Imus yesterday, you <laughs> right. know, and, and like it's a bunch of people who either don't deserve to be there or their entire ethos is to destroy the department that they're in charge of. Right. Now, I, I, I will say this, and, and this is this speaks to, I think, what you were you were saying. Joe Biden ran on the election being the healing. Right? It, was, it was the fight for the soul of the country, and if we win this election, the country will be better. I mean, he said as much, multiple times. Well, now all of a sudden we have these nominees. And listen, they are eminently qualified people. I mean, you have Everett Haynes, the director of national uh, intelligence. You have Janet Yellen at, at Treasury. You have Anthony Blinken at Secretary of State. These are serious people. Now, do I agree with them? Absolutely, I do not. I have problems with all three of these nominees. And matter of fact, it's almost like, you know, it's like when you're listening to a record and the record skips. And you're like, oh, God, is this record going to, do I have to, like, change the record? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the, it gets back to normal. And you're like, oh, okay, okay, good, that was just a spot. That's what's happened here. I mean, you know, it, it's like Blinken and Secretary of State. Like, he's one of, the, they call it the blob. The blob is sort of the military-industrial complex that just sort of continues no matter who the president is. Like, one of the one of the biggest critiques you can make of Barack Obama is that our foreign affairs and our military continue doing almost the exact same thing it did under George W. Bush. And then it continued under Trump, and it just continued unabated, and the president's there saying, good job, guys, and they give a speech, and they say, hey, we killed so-and-so today, or whatever. That's a problem. But that being said, it is really reassuring to have people who are not dedicated to destroying the government and, you know, figuring out a way to sell it off for parts. That is good, but that doesn't mean that the battle is done. What we've seen so far with these nominations and with the talking points is it's going to be old business as usual. I think that we need something bigger. I think that we need to have a, a, a much more daring sort of a vision. And I think if Trump escapes consequences... We're going to be looking back on it like Gerald Ford pardoning Richard Nixon. I mean, and, and we both know that that was like one of the things that like led to the current moment of crisis. And and we need something bigger and larger and realer.
1: Truly, It's truly amazing that you bring up Gerald Ford and the pardon of Nixon. It is. Because it was exactly what I was. I was patiently waiting to bring that up. It's amazing that you just said that. So that must mean... Something. 100 episodes, Nick. 100, yes. 100
0: episodes. Well, all of a sudden, you're, you're a rapport, my man.
1: Yes, a, a mind mailed, perhaps. But here's the thing I thought was interesting I saw uh, just recently was you know the, the traditional uh, wisdom was that, conventional wisdom was that uh, Ford loses to Carter primarily because he had pardoned Nixon. Everyone was really pissed off at him for doing that, right? Do you realize how close 76 was?
0: It was not a blowout.
1: No, but like basically not, here's what uh, like somebody on Twitter was saying I saved it was he said that 9,000 votes in Ohio and Hawaii would have changed the Electoral College and he would have won instead. That's a narrower, narrower bar, uh, margin of victory than what Trump did in 2016. And we thought that was close. So I'm starting to realize here that I you if we looked, the, uh, the approval ratings probably weren't even that, that, uh, that bad for him either. Um, this, is the, this is something really concerning to me that even then that we can, we can now realize maybe without even noticing it then was that, uh, you know, again, we talked about this before. You know, Nixon, there are there a lot of people who thought Nixon got screwed and got, you know, pinched by the CIA and they set him up. Um, there's a lot more people now that feel the same way about Trump. And that's the other thing that's scary about this whole yeah. thing is that it isn't it isn't um, damaging enough uh, to do the things that the founders probably thought would have been really damaging and would have ended everyone anyone's political career. We're so far beyond that that yes, we need to do something to radically change you know how the government works. But it's like I just you know we've gotten to a gridlock point where just doesn't it just doesn't seem like you can get any kind of major stuff done. Now that said, we probably would have been in 2005 if you said, "You know what? By 2010, we're going to have uh, amazing healthcare uh, for everybody without preexisting conditions." You might have thought you were crazy if you said that. That's too hard. No one'll ever get that done. And they got it done. So maybe there is some hope, but maybe it's not with it's not with Biden. I think that's the answer.
0: Well, I in 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 listen, I I don't like I'm not a pessimist. I'm not a nihilist. I I actually have a lot of hope right now. I think expecting the institution to fix itself, you'll be waiting on that for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's on it's on us. That's the thing, and and that's the answer that we've been talking about for so long now, and and I've been pushing for so long now. You cannot just wait for the 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 system to fix itself because it will not. It'll it'll make nods towards fixing itself. It will fix itself a little bit but it'll still maintain power and, and wealth and privilege and leverage. It has to be grassroots. It has to be us. We have to apply pressure. We have to and I keep saying this. People need to decide what they want. They need to decide what they want the country to look like. Because what we're talking about here and we talked about it with this election it was a battle to get rid of Trump. There's a much larger battle to shape the future that is still to come. The problem, and I talked about this. We're going to have uh, Wajahad Ali here on uh, here in a second. The problem is that the left refuses to have a vision for the future. The right has one. It's neo-fascism. You know, they they they. That's what you do. It's like no, we rewind the clock to the Middle Ages or to, you know to the 1930s no that that's not that's you have to give an alternate vision you have to find a way forward because we're at a moment of crisis and at moments of crisis you make a new direction that you have to either make a new direction, or you let other people make it for you, and and, and that's really what we're dealing with here. Right,
1: but it's a crisis of leadership as well, because we don't have even the grass grassroots leaders to to lead us. We don't have a Martin Luther King who can lead us like that, um, or Bobby Kennedy. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't picture anybody right now who could do that and be that person. So we're waiting on Superman, and uh, I suppose we could do it as a grassroots organic. Uh, method with uh, the internet helping us do that but it seems like it would be a lot easier when you look back in the past of when things got changed radically it was always with galvanized behind somebody so who that will be I don't know but um, I'm still looking that's one of the
0: biggest most important questions is who's going to step up and somebody has to step up we have to stop like you said waiting for Superman we have to stop waiting for superheroes we just have to it's not going to happen we have to we have to get there All right, everyone, Uh, I'm really pleased. Uh, One of my favorite people out there, Wajahad Ali, Uh, here's the interview I had with him. Hang out. Uh, Wajahad Ali, he is a contributing op-ed writer for The New York Times. He does so many other intelligent, incredible things. Uh, But as of right now, he's dealing with the fallout of actually a really good op-ed called Reach Out to Trump Supporters. They said, I tried. Um, Wajahad, what what, what has your life been like in in the aftermath of this op-ed?
2: I like the introduction. It's actually a really good op-ed,
0: which is like— Hey, there are a lot of them out there that are just worthless. We know
2: this. No, no. This uh, was—look, as I was saying, we actually had a really good conversation before you hit record. Uh, I am uh, overwhelmed with love uh, as a brown man, as a son of Pakistani immigrants, as a Muslim. Whenever you write an op-ed that gets picked up by Fox News or is discussed by Ben Shapiro on on his podcast or has Megyn Kelly— Ah, uh, tweet snarkily about it. Uh, I'm inundated with so many beautiful references to my skin tone, uh, my immigration status, my religion. I get offers and or requests to have sex with only two animals, and this one really bothers me. It's always about goats or uh, camels, and I get offended because I'm like, what about horses? Like, why not expand the pie? Why why do you have to be miserly during the holiday season? Um, it's always goats and ca- it's, it's go ha- F a goat, go F a camel. Uh, but this is, look, you have to have tough skin. I was talking to some young journalist students today for Peter Beinart's class. And I said, you know, if you want to get into this arena and write about these issues and take on the right wing ecosystem and take on the modern GOP, which I think you and I agree with what I'll say. And if I'm putting words in your mouth, please disagree with me. It's an extremist counter-majoritarian force that is hostile to democracy, uh, and you're a person of color, this is what you have to expect, a lot of love. But However, with this particular piece, I got a lot of that, but three-to-one ratio, so many people said, thank you for articulating my feelings and sentiments. Thank you for saying what I've been wanting to say but did not find the words to. And you're right. Why should I reach out to those individuals who, after seeing four years of Trump's racism and cruelty, Decided to double down and vote for a vulgarian. And where is our elegy? How come no one's demanding to read our elegy? And how come no one asks about our economic anxiety? And how come no one's telling Trump voters to reach out to us, the majority? So I'm glad it struck a nerve. Well,
0: I, I, I just have to say first and foremost that the status. I think you're exactly right. The countermajority movement that is the Republican Party. If you publish something right now that is even a lukewarm criticism of any of this, mm. you should expect intimidation, harassment. And, and sadly enough, I think you and I both know this. There's a barometer when you, the, depending upon how much harassment and intimidation you get, you start to understand whether or not it has even been read or even found some sort of, uh, of audience out there, which is a terrible, despicable type of situation. But I think it leads into what we're talking about here. And for those uh, those of you who haven't read it, you absolutely should. Uh, this article, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, I, it, yeah. I assume this was in response to almost immediately i think it was the saturday after the election almost immediately it was we should reach out to trump supporters right now this very moment don't even pop the champagne just right now go into the diners in iowa and talk to these supporters yep. and uh, i i i assume that you and i instantaneously at the exact same moment screamed at the heavens in a groan <laughs> yeah. that could be heard around the country um just an absolute madness in terms of bipartisanship that doesn't exist trying to give room to people who should not have room, should not have a voice in terms of all this, and making room for not just anti-democratic movement and supporters, but to really dangerous ideas.
2: Well, it's all of that. And it's it's how whiteness operates in this country, where everything is centered around whiteness. And we have to chase Amy and chase Chuck This mythical white man who drinks real coffee in the real counties, in the real coffee shops, in the real country of the Rust Belt, which also have people of color who, by the way, gave Biden his victory. Black voters in Georgia, like, you know, people of color in Milwaukee and Detroit, Latinos, the rest of us. But no, no, no. Let's go and soothe the hurt feelings of the minority that lost, that went again and doubled down for Donald Trump. In fact, 10 million more came out. And and I remember in 2016, we were told, even though Clinton won by 3 million and Donald Trump only won by 76,000 votes, America told us that we had to read the elegy of the hillbilly. We had to oh. em- empathize with white pain. And we had to go find out about their economic anxiety. And I did, Jared. And the whole article is about what happened when I did. And yet, fast forward, 80 million people came out. A record number of people came out. A multicultural, diverse coalition during a pandemic voted for Joe Biden flipped five states, and now it seems like he's going to win by 7 million votes. And yet, two weeks later, still no one has asked, why don't the Trump voters and Republicans reach out to see why 80 million of their fellow countrymen decided to come out during a pandemic and reject Trumpism and make him a one-term president? Where is our elegy? What is their anxiety that forced them to come out in record numbers? And it's it, so it first and foremost shows you the, the whiteness angle that still dominates America, and allows Ian Bremmer, of all people, to tell the rest of us, go empathize with Trump voters. And I want to tell Ian and all these people I have. Have you? Have you talked to people of color? Pete Buttigieg, who I've interviewed, comes from the Midwest. Now it's time to reach out to Trump voters. Have you reached out to your own voters, people of color well put put Biden in the White House, right? And then when you do reach out to folks, and I'll quickly just end with this, I have found out that people say the following. I like you, Watch. I'm not a racist, I don't think Trump's racist at his heart, but he'll make America great again. Or what I find out from the beautiful, lovely non-racist comments I've gotten in the past week, go back to where you came from. We need you to suffer in order to feel great again. Whereas I, Jared, and I'm going to assume you, need them to have health care, need them to have social security, need them to have a living wage, need them and their children to live in safe communities where they have clean water. And yet... Fast forward four years, they still need Donald Trump as their defender, their savior, their blunt instrument to humiliate us in order just to feel great again during a pandemic where he golfs as they die. And that's the difference. And that's why I do not indulge in any of this nonsense of both sides narrative ever again, in addition to what you said about the trend towards right wing authoritarianism that is being witnessed as we record this podcast.
0: Well, and I just want to read that quick paragraph because I thought that this was a a pretty nice penultimate paragraph here in this essay. Um, I don't need Trump supporters to be humiliated to feel great again. I want them to have health insurance, decent paying jobs and security for their family. You know, I, I keep having people who ask me, they say, well, how do we deprogram these people? How do we remove them from the cult? How do we talk sense to them? And what I keep telling them is this you're not going to make them move away from Trump or the Republican Party by confronting them about politics. Yeah. There, there's just no way to do it at this point. There, it's a trench warfare situation. And on top of that, they're living in a completely alternate reality. There you go. It has nothing to do with a shared reality that we have. There you go. What I keep saying is this. I think the only way to do it is that you give them those things that you just listed and that's like with uh, Obamacare, affordable health care, like it, it, it turned into something that they love. They yep. thought it was a takeover of the country. And you you go ahead and you try and go in the back door. I don't think there's any going into any number of diners in this country and trying to talk truth to this nonsense because they're in such an alter, alternate reality. And we've talked about this in the past, that the media, eco, eco, eco system, right wing media ecosystem, easy for me to say has created and encapsulated them in. I don't think there's any way that this quote-unquote outreach has any actual effect.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I tried, and I tried to connect. I tried to tell my story. I didn't mince words. I empathized. I connected the dots. I talked about how in the past, whites who are now considered white were once the enemy, including Irish Catholic and Germans. I said, this is a remake. Now, tag, you're it. It's the Muslim, the Mexican. It was the gays, still is, the blacks. Uh, This will hurt all of us uh trump's policies will affect you the trade world will fail debt will go up deficit will go up white nationalism has always failed but many people have died uh along the way towards its failure authoritarianism never works in the end but a lot of people die before the authoritarian is eventually kicked out i'm here reaching out across the aisle in good faith and i want to build a multicultural coalition of the willing including that includes you and your kids still didn't work because first and foremost, you're right. And I think the top three problem in America right now is disinformation. It's climate change. Mm-hmm. It's income inequality. It's it's white nationalism. It's racism. But it's also disinformation. I keep trying to harp on this again and again and again. Putin won, I always say, the 2016 election. He always wanted to exploit existing religious and racial fractures. And he won without firing a bullet. He won through this disinformation. And democracy survived. When the diverse population does not agree on a simple set of facts, it doesn't. It it weakens. And how can a democracy survive right now and thrive during a pandemic where a quarter of this population, if not more, thinks it's a fluke, a hoax, a virus? And so when truth itself is attacked and authoritarians and strongmen, as you know, attack truth uh, and there is no truth, you feel your facts. And you decide your truth based upon whoever makes you feel good. And this is where authoritarians thrive, because they say, I am your redeemer. I am your savior. I am the person you can trust. Don't trust the fake news, the language of fascists. Don't trust the the press, the enemy of the people, the language of fascists. Trust me and only me. And so you're in Georgia. You talk to these folks. You can't have a rational conversation with people who literally believe that you and me, Jared— are paid by George Soros to yep. steal their children and eat them. That's the QAnon deep state theory, which now is Or at least harvest their the adrenochrome. Yeah, yeah, at or least. At least harvest their adrenochrome. And, the and, and I, I haven't met my quota this week. I don't know about you, but I failed my quota. So it's, Soros is going to get upset. So this is why you know, having, reaching out to them doesn't work. What we have to instead do is a massive de-radicalization program. We need to find a way to crack down on Murdoch and Zuckerberg. And then what we have to do, exactly what you said, is we have to bum rush a progressive agenda that will eventually drag them kicking and screaming into a future where they'll resent us, but they will have health (laughs) care. The final thing I say is go back to 1954, 1955. Look at the images of when there were forced desegregation of schools. You'll see angry white faces of men, women and children surrounding young black kids. Those white folks weren't devils. They went to church. They eat meatloaf. They were kind to their neighbors. They mowed their lawn. They raised their kids. But they were radicalized. After the Civil Rights Act, many of them never saw blacks as their equals. Some of them changed, and some of them barely changed. And that's what you and me, Jared, have to make peace with, is that moving on in our lives, there's about a third of this country that we have lost, and we have to inoculate the majority. And I hope I'm proven wrong.
0: Well, I think one of the bigger problems is that Trumpism has taught us that we need to conquer our enemies. There's no such thing as conquering because eventually that always leads to having to wipe out your enemies, having right. to use the law against them or power against them to make them shut up and accept your reality. I think I think what you're saying is exactly right. It's about de-radicalization. It's about dropping the temperature however we can. I keep telling people, I come from the, the Midwest. I come from a family of factory workers and laborers. They'll believe in climate change if they have factories that are taking on climate change. If they right. have an economic incentive to believe in these things, they will turn around on them. That's a lot different from imposing on them a reality that they're not going to believe otherwise. This is a disinformation war. That's the right. biggest problem here.
2: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely and, and exactly right. It's a disinformation war. And unless we can confront the Murdochs, Rupert and uh, Lachlan Murdoch, and unless we can find a way to, for Zuckerberg and, and Jack to do the right thing, uh, those are two arenas. Like First and foremost, I, I used to work with Facebook. I didn't work for them. I worked with them. And I could tell you Just like GM today, according to the breaking news, they bend according to who's in power. So we were literally working with them to do these hackathons to come up with solutions to deal with hate caused by social media. Uh, As soon as Trump was elected, they're like, Trump administration isn't into this. So we're not into it. Boom. Gone. Now that Biden's in it, I'm telling you, if if he unleashes the Warren, number one, we can have social media companies do something. That, I think, will save some people. Then you have to find a way to crack the the right wing ecosystem bubble, especially dominated by Fox News. Democrats, I've begged them. I said, don't exist on Twitter. You got to attack Facebook. Facebook is still king, and they suck at Facebook. Who dominates Facebook, Jared? Right wing, talk radio. Right wing cranks. Right wing yep. cranks. Right. And so you have a disinformation bubble. And I want to go, just what you said on the economic message. Dems don't have an economic message. They were forced to develop a healthcare message because the right wing was so insane. That they wanted to repeal and replace Obamacare with nothing, which was an easy win. But if you are literally terrified of being called progressive, if you're terrified of your own shadow, if you're terrified of your own policies, and if you're terrified of Republican messaging, and they're able to attack you by calling you socialist, that's a failure on you, Democrats. And you need to come out and tell Chuck, what is your economic message? And you can win over some Chuck's that's my faith I I and this is a, you know people might not like hearing them in the Democratic Party. You can't take your voters for granted and if you don't have an identity and a message and if you're not able to brand what progressive means, Republicans will do it for you and right now to them it means socialist and defund the police and they'll win.
0: Yeah, and they've been call, I mean they've been calling market solution democrats socialist for decades now. I mean the the, the problem right now is this no definition yeah, I mean, there's there's no definition right now for a future. And so the vacuum is being filled by neo-fascists. Right. Those are the only people who have any definition of a future. So liberals and progressives need to figure out what the future should look like, which I think you and I both understand. It has to be de-radicalization. It has to be facing off a climate catastrophe and making a more equal country. Because if you don't, the, the, <laughs> the end result of all those things is the death of a country and more death and more destruction.
2: That's it. And more extremism polarization extremism and white nationalists are organized they're playing for all the marbles i always tell people this i says never you know demographic destiny doesn't work it didn't work this time barely worked uh i'll always take a highly organized committed passionate minority over a flabby flabby moderate majority white nationalists and the gop right now are playing for all the marbles and i think slowly but surely it's gone so extreme that democrats are finally figuring it out but i could tell you as a person in the media, as a person who with a foot in politics, the foot in the think tanks, just the way they think is a both sides mindset. They just think that way. They're just kind of like trained, like academics, they're trained to think both sides. And I keep telling them there is no both sides here. I, me and Jared right now are knocking the Democrats, but still, Democrats believe in climate change. Republicans think it's a hoax. Democrats acknowledge white nationalism think it's bad. Republicans have uh, made a martyr of Kyle Rittenhouse, a murderer. Right, Margie Taylor Green is now in the House, a QAnon supporter. Uh, right now, as we speak, they're taking a sledgehammer to democracy to uh, placate the uh, temper tantrum of Donald Trump. Right, there's no both sides, and so there is a balance here for Biden. Where he ha- I agree with you, he has to lower the temperature. He has to be the president of all Americans. He has to reach out even to those people who don't like him. He has to bum rush policies that will help them, even though in the short term they resent him. And then what Democrats have to do, and Biden has to do this, is what does it mean to be a Democrat? What does it mean to be a progressive? What are our big tent values that incorporates AOC and Spanberger and uh, who's the guy? Manchin. And if you don't communicate that, it's on you. It's your loss. So is a huge opportunity, man. I want this to be a FDR moment, a uh, new, new deal opportunity for the Democrats. And my fear is that they won't take it. And if you seriously think... And a part of you... I'll give a comic book analogy and I'll stop. You need to be the X-Men, a multicultural coalition. But the X-Men also need the X-Force. And if you guys don't know what the X-Force is, the X-Force is like... There's about 10 of
0: us right now who are into this. Yes.
2: X-Force is like the Wet Works, where Professor Xavier, who's the big tent guy, says, I know I'm dealing with hardcore threats. People in the gutter who want to kill us. I need to create an X-Force, kind of an elite unit, that goes and does the attack on disinformation on the right wing. And I don't know if they have an X-Force right now.
0: Yeah, I think, I th- I think that uh, uh, the, the playing of hardball, I think, is something that, that has not been there before. And I, and I completely agree with you. I think the best case scenario of all of this is an FDR-like moment because I think people forget that fascism was on the rise. Right, right before World War II. And the New Deal just took the temperature down a little bit. It didn't necessarily even save the economy. It just took a bunch of young men who might have become fascists and got them out there, got them jobs, and got them involved in the community and kind of took the temperature down. Well, you've been generous with your time, so I'm going to let you go. But before we do, we're in the middle of a coup. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you've been uh, watching the news on this. The, the worst possible plus also most dangerous coup imaginable is happening right now. Uh, what, just real quick, what's, what's your take
2: on what's going on? Where do you see this thing going? I think someone coined it the coup klutz clan, which I thought was hilarious. But I, I'm glad you call it a coup because some people are saying, oh, it's fraud. No, it's a coup. Look, Pete, he wants to get away with this. he's trying to that's what people need to realize just take a step back let's laugh at four seasons total landscaping let's laugh at uh, sydney powell let's laugh at rudy Giuliani. what a run she had by the way (laughs) a week a stunning week and she was so crazy that they're like we got to reel in the crazy because she was now attacking kemp in in georgia and they realized it was an internecine warfare and i was applauding i'm like yes divide and conquer Yes, finally, the colonialists are, like, getting a taste of their own medicine, right? But uh, just to show you that she's so nutty that she had to be reined in. But I just want people to realize they are doing this because they want to get away with it. They sure. can't get away with it because they're so incompetent, because the margin of victory was so high, because there's still some checks and balances, because there's still some Republicans who realize if we ignore the will of 80 million, there is going to be a mass revolution. And they're going to kill us. Um and I think some people right there and right now are like, OK, 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 let's let's be some rails and breaks here for our democracy to survive. And Carl Bernstein yesterday tweeted, tweeted out names. He says, I'm going to name 21 Republican senators on the deal who are horrified by what's happening right now, horrified by what Trump is doing. And they realize it's a dangerous to our democracy. But none of them have spoken up. None of them. So this is what we have to look forward to, is that the modern GOP is an extremist counter-majoritarian party people like Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz on the deal know that it's coming; it's becoming nutty, but the base has become radicalized and they have to feed the base. And unless and until we confront that, acknowledge it, realize it, we're not going to properly assess the threat and deal with solutions to remedy it. If you still think it's both sides, you're not literally seeing the problem staring you in front of the face. And this is why I hope, I hope, I hope Democrats finally acknowledge that the GOP is a counter-majoritarian extremist party that is hostile to the majority. And as I have said, and you know this, I believe the GOP will further radicalize and weaponize. And if you they're don't, they're going further. Yeah, I'll give you three examples: Kyle Rittenhouse, yep. the McCloskeys, yep. and Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're and the I'll put four on the there: party. Newsmax
0: and OANN. There you go. They are siphoning off so many of the Fox News viewers. I mean, Fox News has lost control of the right-wing narrative at this point. That's it's a gone.
2: problem. It's gone. Come. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, and they, they're powerful enough and wealthy enough that they can rein them in, but it becomes a business decision. And so yep. now, th- and if you read Brian Stelter's hoax, even the people who work at Fox, they know it. And so now they're like, am I going to be complicit in the radicalization of America? The answer is yes. Am I going to be complicit in mainstreaming conspiracy theories and white nationalism? The answer is yes. Now it's like, am I going to go all the way in because I'm losing viewers to OANN? Newsmax, and maybe even Donald Trump's network. And that remains to be seen. Terrifying thoughts.
0: Wajahat Ali, uh, op-ed contributor to The New York Times and the author of Reach Out to Trump Supporters, They Said, I Tried. One of the best op-eds of the year. I'll,
2: I'll Thank give you that.
0: Thank you. I'll take Very it, Very well done.
2: You. And read everyone you are, read uh...
0: book. Oh, you're so kind.
2: You are the best. Where can people find you, Waj? At Wajahad Ali on Twitter. I write for New York Times. I'm also writing for the Daily Beast. Sometimes you'll see me on Peacock. I'm very easy to reach with your thoughts, concerns, suggestions, and recommendations of what country I should go back to. (laughs) All right, man. Take care of yourself. Take care. Thank you, sir. All right, everyone. That was Wajahad Ali. We're so lucky
0: to have him on. Uh, I hope it's not the last time. Uh, Really, really good stuff. Um, a reminder again, this week, we're not going to have a Friday episode, but we will for our patrons. Uh, and all you have to do is go over to patreon.com slash podcast, uh, Wednesday night at 7 30 PM Eastern. We're going to have, uh, a, a pre Thanksgiving celebration, a celebration of a hundred episodes we have decided.
1: Yes. Let's make it that. Why not?
0: Let's make it that. We, we say for a hundred more. Are you up for it?
1: Hey, uh, let's, yeah, I'm up for at least a hundred more. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, the, let's hopefully that we, we're talking about about competency and, uh, and and science let's just make it about the next hundred about that can we
0: i'll, I'll tell you um, if i had to say right now what i would love for this show in the next hundred episodes i would love to have conversations about competent people making decisions that if i disagree with them it's that I don't think that they go far enough and I hope that they'll listen. That would be wonderful. That 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 would be that would be a great four years. And then to watch, like you were saying, someone rise up and become a leader who can galvanize people and maybe do the work that maybe even government can't do. That would that would be awesome. That'd be great. I'm in. All right. All right, everybody, uh, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Be safe. Just, just don't, don't, don't take any chances. Remember, there are other people out there, uh, a lot of really, really vulnerable people. Uh, before we go, I have to tell you, I am thankful for you. Uh, and, and, and I'm thankful for Nick. I am very, very thankful that we're able to do this and have these conversations. Uh, but I'm very, very thankful about this community that we are building, uh, you give me hope on a constant basis. So thank you to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving. If you need us until after Thanksgiving, you can find Nick over at Can You Hear Me SMH. You can find me at JY Saxton. Stay safe, everyone.